Welcome back to another episode of Inside Inside Sales. Brought to you by our sponsor, Vanilla Song, with your host, Daryl Prale. Join us as we interview industry experts in the dramatically growing field of inside sales and sales development. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Hey, Daryl. And welcome to another episode of Inside Inside Sales. How are you doing today, folks? It is so nice to spend time with you again. I look forward to this every single week. You know why? Because I feel like we really get each other. We connect. We live in this strange world where it's all about, you know, connecting and building a relationship online here on this podcast. And then I get so much feedback from you guys on LinkedIn and Twitter and email. And you're so excited and you're sharing with me what you've learned and how you've applied it. And it just, it just tickles my fancy. I love that we're making a difference. A big part of that for me, and I've said this before, is all about bringing unique content. Unique content to the sales development reps. We are the only podcast, I truly believe, that actually talks pragmatic, meat and potatoes, tactical stuff that you can apply in your daily sales routine. I don't really care on this podcast about vision or strategy or the big picture. There's other places for that. But just you and I, we're talking how can we do our job better. And a big part of that is bringing unique stuff because... If I'm just going to hit the same old sample that you can get anywhere else, then why would you even bother showing up? Because you can get that from a variety of places that you probably already subscribe to. Today's show is no different. I've got a killer content idea. It's not mine. I'll be honest with you. I was recently at an event in London, England. You may have seen that online. It was the AISP uh, Digital Sales World, and I sat at this table. We're talking, and if you don't know me, I'm Canadian. Even though I grew up on the Windsor-Detroit border, I don't really think I have much of a Canadian accent unless I'm perhaps a drink or two into a social gathering with my fellow Canadian mates. And as I'm talking at this table with these wonderful people who I just met mostly for the first time, I hear this wonderful woman say to me, are you Canadian? And I'm like, yes, I am. How did you know that? And it turns out she is a linguistics expert. Her name is Shira O'Brien. Have you heard of her? Have you met her? She is the managing director of Sales Matrix, and she's based out of Dublin, Ireland. You can check her out at TeamSalesMetrics.com. Follow her. She's really good. She actually really is good. She's got some great content. She's really active on the conversation, so you always get a little nugget here and there from her. We got, we got into this wonderful conversation because she recognized my dialect and what I was saying and how I was saying it. And that's when I was talking to her and, and we kind of both had this epiphany as, as we both bonded on the power of language. What we say, how we say it matters. So let me ask you this. How many times have you communicated in your sales prospecting or your sales cycles and whether it be email or social or phone or what have you? And potentially you meant one thing. And it was perceived as another. You try to convey something in a certain fashion, a value prop. You're asking a, a qualifying question and, and they just missed it. And there's either confusion or misunderstanding. Perhaps you offended them or perhaps you just missed an opportunity. And it wasn't because you were misguided. You weren't malicious. You just 
use the wrong language. It could be as simple as trying to evoke a response out of them, and you just use the wrong language. We're going to tackle that. I'm not going to tell you how many calls to make. I'm not going to tell you how to structure emails and how many characters to use in the subject line. We're talking language. Shira, welcome to the show. Thank you, Daryl. Good afternoon. How are you today? I'm doing well. You almost sounded scared with that response. Like, I... I have I intimidated you, sure? Because I know Not you. And you're... I'm actually excited. I'm excited that somebody else has a passion about language like I do. It is really my thing. I know I work in sales, but I trained as a linguist and trained as an interpreter. But I always had this sensitivity to language. When somebody says something, how do I respond to it? What happened on the inside when they said that? Did it work for me? Did it not work for me? So I fell into sales. I could say nobody ever decides at the age of five, I'm going to be a salesperson when I grow up. But in fact, I always loved language. And then I got into the the whole area of selling through the language industry localization. And I worked in Canada, in Montreal, loved it. And that's where I really learned, started to watch customers. And when I said one thing they'd do, they'd have a blank face. And then I'd ask them something else. I kind of went, there's something in this. So it had had me track back to when I was in college and we did these assessments around the structure of conversation. And it drew me all the way back. And I thought, I think I can use this in selling. So I also studied neuro-linguistic programming and what we call neuro-semantics. And that's where my brain really lit up. I don't want to get too technical, but I think it's important to tell people a few things about language when they're working in sales, really turn up your awareness on language. So neuro-semantics is the meaning that we carry every day around. So when I call somebody or somebody calls me and they're looking for my service, first thing I'll do, I'll plug into their semantics, which is what does it mean for them to take our service? What are they looking for? What are the meanings they are having problems around? What's challenging them? But purely in a semantics way. So I'm listening for the story behind the story. Now, the next piece to that is, well, how do I use syntax? Syntax is how sentences are put together. Now, that's my very rudimentary explanation from the linguistic field. But I got more interested in the whole thing about what language can do in a sales call. And I listened to hundreds of salespeople. I was actually with a team this morning, and we were working just on this. And there's a few high points, if I may say, around what does language do in a conversation? The first thing, it puts people in states. You want them in a great state to listen and be able to respond. So what we're doing is we're using language that makes people feel good or turns up the pain or it turns up the pleasure of doing business with. Okay, so that's the number one thing. The second thing, it shapes the conversation meaning and the direction you could take it. It also allows you to direct the mind to where you want someone to go so they can open it to what you have to offer. It's not that we're manipulating. We're nudging them gently to what I call the yes room in their head. There's a journey they have to make to go there and it's through a decision. So then the next piece is puts you in command of the conversation. That's really the nuggets I want to share today because when you get this right, suddenly I really believe we should all be having fun selling, not being tortured by I have to make a hundred calls and how am I going to do it? If we get our elements of the conversation right, it becomes magic. I've been a student and a fan of language all my life. There was a time when I thought I might be a writer, go figure. You know, when I was 
young and, and going through all the scholastic aptitude tests, one of the suggestions was perhaps, you know, be a lawyer, you know, the ability to be logical, but structure your arguments and debate, which again is all done often public and in front of judge or, oh my gosh, my language skills clearly are sucking, Shira. Um, <laughs> so, hey, it's okay to have hesitation fillers. Even that, that's an interesting one, hesitation, because I find I actually get a lot of feedback because people have given me feedback when they watch my videos or they hear me on podcasts or whatnot, and they hear that pause that I just went through now. And they recognize, which is really subliminal, it's not a language thing, but it's part of your language. They recognize that pause means I'm actually actively thinking about them and our conversation. And they respect that because they feel like I'm engaged as opposed to waiting for that pause in the conversation to jump in and talk. How does that apply to the whole idea is language just the written and verbal or the subtle cues that they don't see well, I, or don't hear? Well, I think just on that thing around pausing, you always want to give people time to reflect on what you're saying. So I'm really a, a big fan of pacing. Pace the person to where they are. That sort of leads me into the idea of when we want to really start building what I call the sales playbooks. That's what I work on. I build sales playbooks and stuff. I want to be able to help people get the structure to be able to build the conversation. So it's like the science to do the art of selling. So I call the linguistics is kind of the science. And I know there's other pieces people might say, but that's not selling. It's everything to do with selling. Let's imagine that we're architects, we're sales architects, and we're building and structuring our conversation um, so that we can really influence them in a very ethical, powerful way that works for both people. When you're in the flow and it's just like a natural conversation, the person doesn't feel like they're being sold to. They feel like they're buying and they really enjoy it. Always makes the conversation more interesting than, oh, here's another sales pitch. I think I'm going to just hang up or please don't do this to me. I was looking at a discovery call information online and I kept great discovery call questions and I came across S20. Some of these questions are like, they're torturous. You just go, please don't do that. Why are we saying what we're saying? How are we going to say it so that it gets right into their brain? And it's like a slam dunk. It plants an idea in their brain. And they're thinking about something they've never considered. And then, you know, you're starting to open them up to, where do I go next? What do you want me to do? So the whole point of the power of language and the structure and then the art of it is we want to put them into great states where they feel valued. They feel like you're interested in discovering what is their burning issue? Well, how do we tap into the burning issue? We'd have to have framing. If I was to say the two things around language that we use in sales calls, inside salespeople, you use powerful questions, but they must be very, very clear. Uh, there must be an outcome from the question. But also what we do is we frame and shape where we want to take the language. So I'll give you an example of that. So I was working with an inbound sales team this morning, and some of them are going, they're quite nervous, and, oh, I don't know what to say. And, okay, the first thing. You have to get yourself into a great state. So you have to use really good language with yourself. Looking, I'm really curious, what do they want? What are they looking for? And then what we do is somebody calls in and they're looking for whatever product or service. And we will say, so what sparked your interest in our company? What prompted you to call? What attracted you to our website or what we have to offer? And then the person will go, bing, I'm going to go and tell my story. And off they go and they tell their story. Now, what we're doing there, we're collecting linguistic data. We're hearing their story that will drive a lot of conversation to the next point. A lot of the times I hear salespeople and they want to push all this information and it's just overwhelming. I had this last week, somebody phoned me from a fairly big company 
I want to say to me, can I ask you questions? Can I ask you some questions? And, I, and so I kind of short-circuited and I said, I'm interested. Here's what I want to know from you. The next thing is they've called because they have a burning issue. And there's usually been from a selection menu of 10 burning issues. They want to rebrand. They want to grow. They want to be more efficient. Usually there's a flavor in them. And we, I always say to people, pick three. Three burning issues that you think would connect with this person. And then you start exploring a little bit. So what's not working for you? And what would you want to change? And what does the perfect solution look like for you? Then they're going in and they're starting to imagine. So the whole point of all languages, we go into the future promise. I talk about the future promise. If they called you a good solution for them is take them out into the future and you're helping them build the picture of a perfect life, a perfect business. And you're using that through the power of language, the two things, coaching and framing. We're going to take a break here shortly, but I want to set the stage first. So people would recognize that they need to focus better on their linguistics, on their framing, on yeah. their shaping. What mistakes do you see happen over and over again? I already heard you say one. I heard you say they're looking to pitch information before they even kind of connect mm -hmm. and engage. Are there other mistakes you're seeing happen on a regular basis? The first one I see is there's too much I and we and we are and we're the best and we're the biggest. And now you might say, well, that's a very basic thing. No one does that. You'd be amazed. I've looked at scripts and I've looked at text and I've looked at emails and said, so that's all about you. If there's too much about the company and we're the biggest and we're the best or whatever it is, even the value proposition should always be about the other person. That's really a big thing. They think they should sell the product on the first call when all they're doing is barking interest and maybe getting a follow-up call or getting a meeting. And we're looking to get a little bit of traction and interest because if someone isn't interested, if I don't put them in an interested state, everything else doesn't count. So they would be kind of key things, especially in the opening for the discovery call. I mean, when they go to the next call, they start doing asking questions. They're almost like asking personal questions. Like, so tell me what your role is here. Some people are kind of going, actually, we're not here to talk about my role. Some people might take that personally. So I think what you've got to do is you've got to take them into the scenario where help me understand what prompted you to start looking in this area of your business. But you're using coaching to really flesh out and bring people to a higher understanding of this is why I want to buy from you. So then what happens is the person goes, this person understands me. They're really in my head. It's as if they are really getting what is motivating me. Okay. And then moving too quickly, I think, to the close and the sale. But you're always closing. That's what we always say, always be closing. But what I said to somebody today, they mentioned Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, always be closing. And I said, always be closing gently, A, B, C, G. I like it. Okay, so we're going to come back. I like that. If you heard Shira, are, are you talking about I and we? Are you guilty of that? And you know if you are, if you're feeling uncomfortable right now. Are you trying to sell your product on the first call? Because really the first call, the, the true intent is to get the second call. Are you pitching rather than letting the prospect tell their story because you've prompted them? Are you moving too quickly to the close? If any of those are things you're doing, we're going to come back and we're talk about how to fix it. Don't go anywhere. Here, we'll be right back. CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time and make less than two attempts to contact them. And they're only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. 
VanillaSoft is an engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing qualified leads into sales qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more by ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds persistently and with the cadence that's optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at VanillaSoft.com. Well, that commercial took place. Did you feel guilty still? I want to know. Did you feel guilty? I, I felt guilty. I know I've done this. I'm impatient sometimes. Can you tell? Anyway, that's me. So, Shira, let me see if I can recapture this. You know, you talked about framing and shaping. You said semantics drive action all around structuring the language. I'm going to propose a couple of things. Can you give me a formula, if you will? Let's assume this is kind of that first introductory conversation. Is there a repeatable formula that I should kind of use in my opening playbooks to get to that second meeting, to really understand and to get the prospect engaged? Like you said, they're really in my head. I like these guys. What is it? Okay, that's a big, broad question, but maybe I'll try and hone in on a few things. One of the things I say to people is people only buy when they're motivated. They may be aware they need it, but they don't do anything. But once we start to connect into pain that they have. Now, everyone talks about the pain. What's the pain points? But there's another side they're missing out on is what is the gain? What's the pleasure that will come in the future if they move towards a better solution than they have today? I'm going to just throw off the top of my head. If I were to call a sales manager, I might call them and give them the why, the reason why I'm calling. I wouldn't necessarily say this sales call. I have another theory on that whole thing, this sales call, but the reason I'm calling you is because we work with a lot of companies, a lot of managers like yourself. They've got a great CRM system. It's well built and everything. But salespeople are still failing at the first hurdle. They're failing on their calls because of the call content. Is that something you've experienced? Is that something you'd love to talk about if you have five minutes? Because we've noticed when we go in and we start looking at the linguistics and the language that they're using, that there's huge opportunities being lost. Now, I put about three or four frames in there. Now, some people go, I hate it. But what I'm telling you there is the structure. I went right into the pain he or she might be feeling. And then I offered an opportunity. When we go in and we do this, this is what happens. Is that something you want to explore? I love so much what you just did there. You literally did. You, you spoke to the pain. You framed the conversation around the pain. Exactly. And then you effectively gave me control, but you were really in control, right? Is that something you'd like to explore? I don't feel threatened mm -hmm. by that question because if I say yeah. no, you're just going to say, no problem, have a great day and move on to the next call. And if I say yes, now we carry on and it's all good because I'm not resenting you. And mm -hmm. I can see the end game mm -hmm. because apparently you've got a solution that will solve that pain. And I'm suffering from it. You might have. I mean, we're going to do it, I you know? Have. So I like that. Let's do a role play. I have gone okay. to teamsalesmetrics.com and I have downloaded a piece of content. And now you're calling me up to follow up on it. Let's role play this. If you're wondering, folks, if this is planned, this is not. So we're going to find out how oh, good wow. she is and how good I am. <laughs> so who are you? I am you're a, a VP manager. of sales and Mark Gives mm -hmm. you lots to work with. Okay. So, Daryl, how are you today? I am well, thank you. Good. The reason I'm calling, my name is Shira, and I'm calling from Sales Metrics. The reason I was calling, because we noticed that you downloaded 
our document, how to build better sales playbooks. I'm just wondering, you talk to a lot of sales managers have a real challenge around the retaining staff and the onboarding side of things where salespeople are failing in the first conversation because they don't necessarily have the awareness around how they're speaking, what they're saying, and making that impact and trying to slow down the conversation. Is that something you have come across or you've, been, you've experienced? I have totally come across that. That was actually one of the okay. reasons I downloaded your article. I'm sure you have some great salespeople. They are really, really terrific. Now, they have a formula. So the question we always ask people, have you captured that formula and are you using it right across your team so that you can bring the standard of your team up? Well, we thought we had, but clearly we're having failures with our team, which is why I'm looking to see, you know, what can I do to better improve it? Have we captured it? I think so. But are we doing it properly? I think we could do better. So if you look at your team, what, what do you think you could add to it to bring them to another level? I don't know. That's why I'm doing the research. I'd love you to think about um, an opportunity to explore this with me at another time that suits you if you're interested. Yeah, I am. I'm busy for the next couple of weeks, but let's carry on and blah, 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 and away you go. So blah, you, blah, 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 blah. you really control the conversation. You framed it for me. It never flows as much when you're on the call because I would just do that naturally and go ding, ding, ding. So I was like, okay, you're putting me on the spot. But I take all of your feedback because it's always going to add to my skill set. And that's the thing, right? So I guess, you know, for the audience listening to this, a couple of things, right? So even the experts, smart women like Shira, will sometimes fall back on mistakes. But the nice thing is they're easily fixed. What I like about what Shira said there was, yeah, I did. I'll fix it next time. She didn't beat herself up. She just recognized it and move on. That's the best part. But what you got out of that was how she framed it. And what I love how she's saying is, you know, I didn't hear any I in we in that. I didn't hear her trying to pitch the product on her first call. I heard her trying to prompt me for responses the way she framed it. But I really felt like I wasn't threatened. I was in control. I felt like it was an actual constructive conversation. And she didn't move too quickly for the close. So I really liked that. So the syntax was huge there in what she did. Now, Shira, if I wanted to apply your lessons, what's the easiest way that I can go right now to whether it's my playbooks or my script? What's the easiest thing I can do right now to apply your lessons and affect positive change? Okay, so look at your scripts and see if there's lots of I's and we's and, and we are, we do, we have, and if you're talking about the product. The other thing is just to be really clear, ask yourself, what is my outcome from this call? What is my outcome from the person that I'm calling? What do I want them to take away? How do I want them to engage? What's the traction I want to get? And the only thing you want to do is you want to spark an interest and say, hey, would you be open to another conversation? Slow it right down. That would be the big thing. Now, if you're really interested in learning, I wrote this article called What Every Salesperson Has in Common with Steven Spielberg. Because I really believe what we're doing is we're directing a buyer's movie. We're directing their minds and they're, and they're buying into pacing it, their buying decision. It's an article on LinkedIn. If you want to follow me on LinkedIn, it'll allow you to get a sense of how I think about selling. And it's really all about, I am here to help salespeople. I just love when salespeople get it and they start to shift and change and suddenly they're much more confident. And that would be the key thing I'd say. If I can build upon what Shira shared and going back in the conversation we had today, whether it be your playbooks, you know, your scripts, or even go back and listen to some of your own call recordings. And if you don't do this often, folks, you really should go listen to some of your call recordings. I listen to my podcasts. I listen to my webinars. I had someone come in the office today while I was watching a video of myself and saying, are you really that vain? And I say, no, you know, you got to go back and you have to evaluate 
am I achieving the objective I want to achieve? When you do that, when you listen to yourself, when you read what your playbooks are, ask yourself, why are we saying what we're saying? If we're not sure, how are we going to say what we want to say, right? Where am I going to go next? Does this script, does this conversation, this playbook lead them to where I want to go next? Will they feel value? Will they be excited as I help them uncover their burning issues? So just look at them with fresh eyes. Of course, I love your article there. So with that said, we'll wrap it up. We're running out of time. Shira, I love that you're a student of this. To me, this is like black art. This is like such magic voodoo that has a dramatic impact because it's a skill and we should all be improving our skills. So Shira, the best place to reach you, I'm guessing, is on LinkedIn, as you said. So Shira, S-H-I-E-R-A. O'Brien, O apostrophe B R I E N. So that's Shira O'Brien. Check her out. She is the managing director of sales metrics and she's out of Dublin, Ireland. Shira, I've had a fantastic conversation with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Can All I, right. can I just add one last line? One you last sure thing. You sure can. Go for it. That as salespeople, we are in command of the conversation and your buyer, your prospect is in control. I cannot top that. Great way to end it. Folks, if you like this one, you like this episode, listen to it over and over again because you're getting something different out of it every time. And please, share it with your friends, colleagues. Go online. Give us reviews. We are very grateful if you do that. In the meantime, we're done. We're out of here. And we wish you a wonderful day full of success and growth and selling. And, you know, a commission or two wouldn't hurt either. My name is Daryl Prell. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening once again to another episode of Inside Inside Sales. Hosted by Daryl Prale, the CMO of VanillaSoft. Tune in every week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. One of the many shows on the ever-growing Funnel Radio Channel. Sponsored by VanillaSoft.